Today we're continuing a message series called Discipleship Begins at Home. So far in this series, we've talked about how we as the uh, older generation, as parents, grandparents, teachers, other adult leaders, we need to disciple those generations coming behind us so that they can become followers of Christ, uh, people that honor God in their lives the way God would want them to. And we've looked at how we need to teach them to demonstrate priorities, how they need to learn to love like God loves, And last week we talked about teaching them responsibility, to take responsibility for their lives. This week we pick up with the idea, the concept of respecting authority. Each week we've looked at different scriptural examples that go along with what we were talking about. And today we're going to look at an Old Testament example. And I want to start with the example of Eli's sons. Eli served a dual role among the people. He was both a judge and a priest. And it sounds good when I say this, if you don't know the whole story, his sons followed in his footsteps. They had become priests as well. But we're going to learn that they did not learn to respect authority the way they needed to. And it was demonstrated in the events that we're going to be looking at. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. We see right away that they did not respect God. Let's pick up with verse 12. Eli's sons, and we know their names from another passage. Their names were Hophni and Phinehas. I love the NIV translations. It says they were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Now, it was the practice of the priest that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled, and would, he would plunge the fork into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or the pot. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. So I want you to get the picture here. Uh, Eli's sons are servants or priests, and they would send their servants when sacrifices of meat were going to be offered. But they would not follow the prescribed law for what they were supposed to get. Instead of waiting for the meat to be boiled and just randomly taking their chances for whatever the fork would pull out of the pot... They were pre-selecting the meat that they wanted, getting the best of the best for themselves and not allowing God to choose for them what they were going to get. And it was total disrespect for God, the clear teachings, specific teachings that God had given them. For whatever reason, as they were being raised, they had not bought into this concept that God was to be the higher priority above themselves and their own preferences. We also see that they did not respect others the way they were supposed to respect others. In 1 Samuel 2 and verse 22, it says this, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. The tent of meeting is the tabernacle. That's where they are worshiping God and the sacrifices are being offered there in the tabernacle. And they would have women who served at the tabernacle, at the entrance to the tabernacle, and they would take care of the practical things that needed to be done for tabernacle worship to occur. And here these young men were supposed to be priests. They were supposed to be spiritual leaders for the people. 
And yet here they are practicing sexual immorality openly. And, and, and it was so open that, that all of Israel knew about it. And it came back to Eli that he was hearing about what they were doing. You see, when you don't respect others the way God wants you to, you don't mind using them and abusing them and doing improper things with them or to them. And Eli's sons obviously did not respect these women or others that they were supposed to be leading in a spiritual way. And then we also see something else. And I believe this is the core that led to all the others. They did not respect their father. You see, if discipleship begins at home, it means they were supposed to learn respect at home. Respect for God, respect for others, respect for their own father. It, that needed to begin at home. Let's look at 1 Samuel 2, verse 23. He said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? Listen to this next phrase. His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. It was the Lord's will to put them to death. Now, we know God is going to bring judgment upon them for this. That's what he's referring to there. But the first part of that says they didn't listen to their father. Their father is supposed to be the one who had authority over these things as a judge and a priest. And he's older than them. And he is their father. And they are not willing to listen to what their father is telling them. See, this goes against everything the scriptures teach about submission to authority in God's word. God's word reveals to us four areas of authority that all of us are called to, to bring, under, bring ourselves under submission to in our lives. The first area of authority is divine authority. Early on in the law, God uh, told his people in the commandments, you are to have no other God before me, right? He was to be the, the first priority, the one in charge of everything else, the one over everything. Later on in the New Testament, in Matthew 28, Jesus has been here and he's completed his ministry and he's going back to the Father. But before he goes, he says this in Matthew 28, verse 18. He came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. One of the best places for us to start for discipling the generations coming behind us is to help them to understand that divine authority is the supreme authority. Divine authority takes precedence over every other thought or idea or action or any other source of authority. Divine authority comes first. And so Jesus wanted to reemphasize that before he ascended back to the Father, he was going to empower his church and teach his church to, to reach out and bring people and make them disciples of Jesus. So if they were going to do that, the, the foundation of all of that was to come under his authority as his people the next area of authority is civil authority i'm convinced that this is an area that we're struggling with in our culture today with the covid virus and other things and and guidelines and restrictions and and and, and the laws coming out saying you can do this or you can't do that we're struggling with submitting ourselves to the civil authorities i want you to listen to what this verse says from romans 13 Hi, my name is Jalen Jenkins. I'll be graduating from Mount Juliet High School. I'll be reading Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. 
Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. As you just heard, in Romans 13, we are told to be subject to the governing authorities because they could not be there. They wouldn't even exist if God did not allow it, if it wasn't established by God for us to have that. That does not mean God approves of all people in government. It doesn't mean he approves of everything they say and do. That's not what this verse is talking about. It's talking about how we as Christ followers still conduct ourselves in such a way that we treat those in authority with dignity and respect and we honor the role that God has put them in in our culture. There have been times, obviously, all through history where God's people would come against authorities who were not godly. And we have to remember that God has even used people in positions of authority who were not godly, who were not in any way honoring God, but God has still been able to use them and work through them to accomplish his will. Ultimately, God is over them whether they acknowledge that or not. And our role is to demonstrate that we will treat them with dignity and respect and that we'll be submissive to those in authority. Now, God does not say that just because authorities over us say this is okay, that means it's okay for you. Remember, divine authority comes first. And if our authorities, our government authorities say, well, this is legal now if God says it's illegal, that doesn't mean we need to do it just because our authorities have said it's legal to do it now. We still answer to God first. But under his divine authority, we are to be submissive to the civil authorities that God has us under. So he says, give to, to them what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. I, I wish he hadn't put that in there. I, I just assume not always pay taxes. But that's part of our responsibility as Christ followers. It doesn't mean we can't question things. It doesn't mean we can't say to our people in those roles, uh, we don't think this is fair or this is right, but we need to do it in the proper way. We need to do it with respect and treat them and honor them in the roles that they're in. And then another area of authority God tells us we need to be submissive to is church authority. In Hebrews 13 and verse 17, it says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. This is so that their work will be, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Even in the church, we have to submit ourselves to those who have oversight over the church. He's talking about here the elders, those who oversee and direct the affairs of the church. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So he says the role of the elders is to direct the affairs of the church. That doesn't mean they're supposed to be dictators and never talk to the people or interact with the people or get ideas from the people. It does mean, though, when the elders 
give direction to the church, we are to come under that authority that God has ordained for his church. And we are to support that and encourage those leaders in those roles so that their work will be a joy for them and not a burden. And then another area of authority that God gives us in his word is parental authority. In Ephesians 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So in the home, starting there, we need to teach our children to understand they have to come under and submit to the authority of their parents. Now, it may be parental figures in their lives. It may not actually be their birth parents, but whoever it is raising them, they need to come under and be submissive to the authority of those that are raising them. Now, the encouragement is those that are raising them are supposed to do this in the Lord. They're supposed to be doing it God's way. That's a responsibility they have. But the children are supposed to learn to be submissive to their parents. Here's the thing. If they don't learn that early on, then there's going to be that rebellion from that point on against all other authorities in their lives. You see, that's the beginning point of learning to be submissive to authorities. So we need to do a better job in the homes of teaching children to have that submissive spirit to those that God has ordained would have authority over them. We have, he goes on in verse 4 to say this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So the responsibility is on the parents, too, to train them up in the right way, in the discipline and the training of the Lord. And he uses a word there that's translated in the NIV, exasperate your children. Don't exasperate your children. There are a couple of things that I see clearly that exasperate children when we're trying to tell them to be submissive to our authority. We need to have consistency and clear communication if we want our children to learn to be submissive to our authority. Consistency means we're not always changing the rules. We're consistent with the guiding principles that we want our children to follow. And we communicate clearly what the expectations are. If those things keep changing, then it confuses and it exasperates our children. So adults, we need to do a better job of being more consistent with that. And communicating is, is tough. I can remember saying when I was a kid, I'll never tell that to my children. I'll never say this, whatever my dad said or my mom said. I'll never. And then I opened my mouth when I was raising my kids and my mom would come out or my dad would come out, right? Haven't you had that happen? And things that wouldn't make a lot of sense like this. Stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. Uh, that doesn't make good sense, right? If they could stop crying, they probably would. They already have something to cry about in their mind. Or we say things like, do you want a spanking? Most kids aren't ever going to say, yeah, please, please give me one. I'd love to have a spanking. We say things like to our children. We look right at them and say, stop acting like a child. Well, they are children. What else are they going to act like, right? We need to remember that doesn't make sense to a child. One of my favorites, my dad would say all the time, uh, when we would have the heat on at the house in the wintertime, and we would come in the door and leave the door open, and he would say this, were you born in a barn? We knew we weren't born in a barn. At least we hadn't been told we were. But what he means is you don't leave the door open, right? You go back and close the door. And one that frustrated me, this did exasperate me, was this. If all your friends went and jumped off a cliff, would you? Well, no, I wouldn't go jump off a cliff, but I might stay out past curfew if all my friends did, right? Those are two big different things, right? They're not the same. Or maybe this one was funny to me. Stop that or you'll poke your eye out. 
Now, I studied this. I really looked at it, and I've shared it before. Here's what I've learned, medically speaking. You cannot poke your eye out. You can poke it in, but you can't poke it out. You really got to dig around in there and get behind it to poke it out. So sometimes we're not communicating clearly with our children, right, with those generations coming behind us. So we need to be consistent, and we need to be clear, but we need to have an expectation of submissiveness to our authority. So I want to close today with two applications of the example of Eli's sons and those areas of, a, of authority that God gives us in Scripture that we're supposed to be submissive to. Two applications. The first one is this. Disrespect must be corrected and not tolerated. That needs to start in the home where we don't allow disrespect to be tolerated there because if we do, if we allow it in the home, then it only gets worse from there. And it begins to bleed over into the rest of their lives as they grow up and they get older and they begin to function in the world. They will carry that disrespect with them because it was tolerated when they were in the home. Look at what happened in 1 Samuel 2 to Eli's sons, beginning of verse 29. God approaches them with this judgment. He says, why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? He says to Eli, listen to this statement, why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now, declares the Lord, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. God went only on to pronounce the judgment that none of them, none of his sons would live to be an old age, that they would die young. They would not remain in those roles leading the people. And his descendants would not be put into those roles like he had originally said was going to happen. And I believe there's a key phrase there that tells us the root of the problem. He said to Eli, why do you honor your sons more than me? He had let his sons rule in the home instead of submitting to his authority and the authority of God. You see, parents, other adults, with, with younger people coming behind us, we need to understand that if we allow that to happen early on in children's lives, it will cause terrible consequences for them and for others dealing with them down the road because they will never be willing to submit to and honor God the way they should. It starts in the home. The second thing we need to remember today, too, this other application is respect must be demonstrated and not merely dictated. I love the fact that we can teach our children. Discipling, though, involves more than just the teaching of the information. You see, when we're discipling someone, it means not only do we teach what we need to teach them, but we, we live it out before them as an example. Are the generations coming behind us seeing us be submissive to the authorities that God has put over us? By the words that we're saying and the actions that we're taking, are we demonstrating the proper submission, honor, and respect and those areas of authority with God, with the civil authorities, with the church leaders, with our own parents? Have we demonstrated that kind of submission? It all begins with making the decision to surrender and submit our lives to the authority of God. In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 36, Peter has preached the first gospel sermon ever preached. 
The people hearing the message realized that they had rebelled against God and God's plan. They had nailed their Messiah to the cross, that they had committed a grave sin. It says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Those two words are critical. Messiah means he's the deliverer, the one they were longing for. But Lord is the title that means ruler, the one who has authority over you. He's, he's closing this sermon by saying, you've got a choice to make. And the choice is, are you going to surrender and be submissive to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? In verse 37, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So what they're saying is we're willing to submit. We're willing to do whatever we need to do to make things right with God, who we recognize as the one who has authority over us. It's easy to say that. The question is, were they willing to follow through with that? It's not enough just to say it. Would they do it? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, for all who far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So God, through Peter, gives them specific steps to take to show that they were ready, not just to say the words, your Lord, but to submit to his authority. He said, here's what you need to do. Repent, turn from your sin. It's not enough just to be sorry and just to ask for forgiveness, to actually turn from your sin. He said, repent and be baptized. You see, baptism is an act of total submission to the authority of God. There's no other reason you should let somebody dunk you under the water other than just playing in the pool maybe, right? So to do this would be to say, I'm doing this simply because God says to do it and I submit to his authority in my life. That's the beginning place of coming under the authority as a Christ follower, under the authority of God and of Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. It says in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to that, their number that day. So they submitted right away to the baptism, to the repentance and the baptism that was called for. But then it says in verse 42, it didn't stop there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. There was an ongoing submissive spirit to the authority of God in their lives, and it produced the obedience to what God was calling them to do. Maybe today you're hearing this message and you've not taken that step yet of coming under the authority of God, surrendering to Jesus as Lord of your life. If you need to talk to someone about taking that step today, please just message us. We'll be happy to follow up with you and guide you through those steps that you need to take. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we have, in this case, a bad example of Eli and his sons where the sons did not grow up to have a respect for their father or for God or for others the way they needed to. Father, we, we know that sometimes we don't show that respect like we should either. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And Father, we know sometimes parents will do their best job to raise their children to have that and they'll still rebel. And, and Father, I thank you that your grace is still there for the parents that have done their best and tried and tried to instill those things in their children's lives. But I also pray for those who've grown up without that respect and, and that submission to your authority. I pray that they would be willing to humble themselves even now 
and come under the authority of Jesus as Lord of their lives. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.